There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Falling Pieces. I'm Terry. A podcast dedicated to the NBC series Debris. I'm Sean Fangirlf. Exclusively on the Fangirl Zone, I'm Steve. We have some ratings news for this week as episode three brought in a 3.362 million viewers with a 0.4 rating in adults 18 to 49, which is holding very steady after the pilot so that's good news yeah because these are getting like out there this one had so many lines though that i felt like really kind of hit home so it's like hmm i wonder if they're trying to tell us something with one line in episode four that nobody's gonna think of again they were definitely pulling at the heartstrings even more this one right as well as well as having the weird stuff yeah yeah but at least the debris wasn't based on emotions Yeah, that was a nice change. I said last episode that was a concern, and that was a nice change. And see, the the episode still held up beautifully. Yep. You know, a lot of people online were kind of saying the same thing as you. Like, before it started, they're like, oh, I hope it's not everything's emotion and blah, blah, blah. So, it's not, yay, but... But it still had a lot of emotion in here. I don't mind the emotion. It's not so much emotion, don't do it at all. But I think because aliens, you know, the whole idea of aliens in science fiction uh, or even in reality, you could say they have the same emotions we do or they don't. Who knows? But it was just three in a row. It was like emotion, grief, emotion, grief, emotion. I was like, okay. Yeah. So. All right. We're recapping season one, episode four in universe. And we open with a young woman coming in to work on a very rainy day, having a bit of a rough go of it. Her boss tells her to go get some breakfast and get some for him, too. Some pancakes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Go make some pancakes. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. She better be related to you. Yeah. And he notices the fireplace going out. Which was a bit weird. And he starts coughing heavily. You go, is that a gas uh, fireplace? And he's... (laughs) That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah, but he regains his breath and looks out the window to see people also coughing. So he puts on his rain slicker and goes out into the rain and walks through the field to where we see it not raining anymore. That's always a weird phenomenon. Yes, I know it has to stop 
somewhere, but I've when seen you that. actually see, I have too. It's the weirdest thing. Yep. Uh, somebody had told me about it, and I'm like, that never happens. And I finally saw it. I was literally on one side of the street walking. I wasn't in a car. Like, you know, you drive through a storm if you have a great distance. I was literally on one sidewalk, and it was clear the other side side of the street was raining. Yeah. Oh, man. I was oh, like, weird. oh, my God, this guy's like reliving my life all over. This can't be happening. <laughs> so as he crosses into the dry, he suddenly can't breathe and die. That's going to mess up your breakfast. Just a tad. I was kind of freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong? He's suffocating. It's like, oh, can he only breathe like high moisture or something because of the rain is like where my mind went. He's Aquaman. Right? (laughs) Maybe not full on water, but it was weird. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I thought when he looked out the window, it was like an allergy commercial. People coughing. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck? Well, I thought it was going to be kind of a small thing of debris, too, because when he's walking and he looks down at one point, like at a mud puddle, and he happens to step in it as he continues to walk then. I'm like, what is the purpose of that one particular mud puddle? Because they focused on it for a good, like, five seconds. Jurassic Park. <laughs> so, I'm like, it's going to be something tiny. They're not going to be able to find it. Oh, my gosh. What's going to happen? Right. Because yeah. we also see that a little <laughs> later on with uh, Brian and Finola as well. And they seem to focus on the wa- the mud puddles. And it's like, wow, this piece must be, like Sean said, really small because you can't yeah. even see it in the puddle. <laughs> I'm like, what are you seeing that we're not? Yeah, that was the only thing that I thought was odd is why are you focused? And they never explained that. No. (laughs) Which was odd. It was, yeah, like, why do you give that visual clue? Like Sean said, you really focused on it. What'd you do that for? Well, what else I noticed when the guy was walking, it's like all the crops seemed like they were dead. And I'm like, did that just happen or what's the deal? But then like these weird flowers are blooming. I'm like, I don't think those are normal flowers on corn stalks. No. (laughs) And that made me think of that. The first episode where the lady was floating and I said, did you notice all those crops were like mowed down? Even though these were full corn stalks that were still standing, it kind of made me think that something with the crops. But there was something later in the episode. That was similar yeah. to that, that yeah. scene that made me think of the same thing. It's like, what? Yep. what is it? It doesn't like corn? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> Aliens don't like corn, apparently, yeah. is what but, it is. Well, y'all can leave then. That's all there is to it. I don't like corn. <laughs> I, I ain't hanging. And- yeah, I'm not hanging around somebody that doesn't like <laughs> corn. That, that ain't cool. Next thing you know, they're not going to like fried chicken. They're not going to like potato salad. And it's like, then they're going to ruin the whole picnic. I don't need that aggravation. <laughs> So the next group of pieces has uh, Brian and Finola, and they stop. They're on their way to the uh, site, and uh, Brian picks up a slushy and Elvis sunglasses, which even for his head look way too big. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes into the whole explanation about them. I loved how Finola looked at him and go, did you lose a bet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I like Elvis. I thought they were cool, but I was like, they just look too big for your head, Brian. I'm sorry. Probably fit my head all right. And, uh, but, but he forgot the water for Finola. <laughs> I did like how they felt more comfortable here. That was Which nice. is a major change from the end of the episode, but. That's why uh, they did it, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it was nice to actually see this 
And I feel like Finola and Brian were like more comfortable. And like maybe at this point, Brian's not hating himself for the secret he's carrying. Yeah. Like he's kind of pushed it to the back to not think about it for a while so they can have a normal kind of just, I don't want to say buddy cop thing because that's not what we're going for. No, but it's like that. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of buddy cop ish. Because they're not like walking on eggshells around each other. Right. So then uh, they get to the site and an on-site team member is uh, is filling them in and says that three people are dead. And uh, then uh, the fella, the uh, lab fella inside says that they died from asphyxiation. And apparently that was from a change in the atmosphere. And they even already have one guy cut open and got all of his insides look like they're, it almost looked like a, a Hulk prosthetic. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just huge. Everything had swollen. And uh, so he said... Uh, it's the change in the atmosphere. Something about and green goo. Yeah, and something about a lack of oxygen. So it's like, okay, this is getting interesting. No, no pillows around the face. None of that stuff. But still, a fixie wasn't underwater. So, well, under rain, but not underwater. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Brian and Finola get all suited up, and they enter Rain Town. And uh, <laughs> the other, and and this was another thing they didn't fully explain like the puddles like they one of them said do you notice the rain and they have finola looking at her glove as the rain hits it and i'm thinking okay what you know okay you're talking about the rain you had the shot of the puddle when the the first guy exited and he died what's up and then she finds on one of the corn stalks this interesting flower which i thought was kind of cool looking and so she takes that and puts it in a collection container then they go inside a building and they find a group of migrant workers They seem to be fine. They all say they're feeling okay. One of them told them when they got up that morning, it was hard to breathe, but that they're all, the group of them are feeling fine now. I couldn't tell in the distance behind them, was that just green, uh, leafy kind of growths or was that trees? Because I'm thinking if it was trees, maybe the trees inside are giving off oxygen. And that's why. I thought it was just like some kind of plant. I didn't plant or something. Tree. Yeah, yeah. But maybe because uh, they're in the greenhouse, it was. It was yeah, close. I could see it being enough. And uh, yeah, and they're kind of inside. They're like not right by a doorway, you know. Although I kind of thought that might not make difference, but apparently they were kind of either in the middle of it or somewhere well inside. So they were okay. And then they also uh, a woman mentions that her eight-year-old son is missing, Arturo. So uh, they leave, and they try to assure everybody they're going to figure out what's going on. They tell them to kind of sit put. So then Brian, we see, is outside, and he finds the piece of debris, which it seems like it's the smallest one we see him so far. It kind of reminded me of a big straw inside a milkshake. Big smoothie straw. <laughs> big smoothie straw to go with the one that he got without her. I love his line. I just came back to ask if you wanted to be. A small one or a large one. Yeah, right. And then he finds the young boy. Now, this was the one really huge, and one of these things is not like the others. He finds the boy, returns him to his mom, but when he finds the boy who's hiding behind like a big tractor, off in the distance, they show adults on the ground, obviously dead. Right. But this kid is like, he's getting ready to run away. He's talking to Brian. Brian's trying to calm him down. He's not showing anything unusual. And Brian takes him back and he runs down that little hallway to his mom and he runs just fine. And, you know, it seems like everything's okay. So I'm thinking if all those people are dead, how come? I was thinking it was because she said some some of them got scared and tried to make a run for it. That what we didn't see, it was just outside of the rain field. 
Right. Because now thinking about it, I don't remember if they were in mud because that would have basically been what it was. Or if it was kind of dry. But that was the area I was saying with like all the like mowed down dead corn stalks, unless it's just the way the debris kind of was supposed to have come in. Yeah. Yeah, I think she said, I don't think she said mud. I think she said they tried to start the cars and they wouldn't start or something. Right. And then then they headed out on foot or something and they never came back or something or other. Yeah. So, but he finds the boy, brings him back to his mom. She's very grateful. So I thought that was kind of neat. But again, the smallest piece and apparently obviously being on orbital, they're assuming that this is causing the the atmosphere to get all wonky. You know, they have to figure out why and how, but. Yeah, that was kind of strange. But I mean, at least they found the kid and he wasn't dead was what I was thinking. Yeah, thank goodness. But as Steve will attest, there was a kid in this one. So I'm like, kid's got some weird thing happening to him from the debris because he was too close and he's causing all of it. (laughs) Because I always ask Steve, like, I'm always like, kids in these kind of shows are creepy and something's going to happen and it's all because of them. And then I'm thinking the pilot, I'm like, see, yep, or was yep. it the pilot or the second yeah. one? Like, I can't remember. But yeah. creepy kids. That's all I'm saying. That's why Sean has a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want any creepy kids like taking her on funky drives, messing with the atmosphere, any of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, sometimes I side I may not use. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to somebody else's creepy. Okay. Greg, we see okay. him playing catch with his son. And in this moment, and I, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I felt like originally we thought his son may have been handicapped or disabled, but I'm thinking maybe he was in some kind of accident. I tend to agree with that. Yeah, I would go with that. Some kind of brain damage, perhaps. Yeah. Yep. As a result. Yep. Because he's saying, I don't, I didn't understand the weird Gordon's fisherman hat, but like he's wearing that hat, like. <laughs> Throwing the ball, throwing his son, you know, raise his right hand, raise his left, and then kind of goof around. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, all right, you got me again. Dad does five more push-ups. I'm like, okay, you know what? Just because I can't do a push-up, no need to show off on on TV, please. (laughs) See, and this made me think more of not what I said either last week or the week before about maybe he's just trying to keep it calm so that his higher-ups don't say, is everything okay? They don't raise a suspicious eyebrow towards him. Or it's some kind of an act. This scene kind of made me think the home life is really a real deal for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And I think the I think the rain hat was because they're going to have fish sticks that night. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But with everything that was going on, we hear a phone ring. So I'm automatically thinking, because it's an unknown caller when he goes and grabs the phone, it's the other phone that he has. Yeah. I think I'm the Russian I, guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. But then but, again, I thought after the episode finished, I thought, yeah, but he wouldn't leave that phone sitting out on the table. Exactly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that, but that, 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 was my, that was my first thought. It's an unknown caller. This is the Russian guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when he answers and nobody says anything, I'm like, oh, it's the Russians. It's totally the Russians. And then it turns out it's his wife's phone. He's like, I don't answer your phone. Well, first of all, his phone probably has a bunch of government people that you're not supposed to know, talk to anyway. Right. So is she fooling around on him on the side? Oh, see, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking, and again, hold on. Let me get my tinfoil hat. I swear. (laughs) Tinfoil hat time. (laughs) Maybe the wife knows a lot more about the debris than she's letting on because he may have files that he doesn't think she cares about. And she's selling secrets. 
Oh, you're going and way down the rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the tinfoil hat comes off. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> that would be a neat piece of script writing. Like, he's the one kind of turning the screw behind the scenes. And then she's turning the screw on him behind his scenes. That would be a neat piece of script writing there. Ooh. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. Nobody <laughs> that. said anything, but you still heard some noise that sounded very electronic, shall we mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. The so, aliens are calling. Yeah. <laughs> and if you notice, They're I think unlisted. we Yeah, and I think we got a glimpse into the bigger picture in the opening where you just had the voiceovers. Right. It's showing the scenes from the previous week. You hear Craig saying, you know, if you think this is an arms race, well, that's what we're in or something to that effect. Yep. So they're not just collecting it for information. They're trying to rebuild that uh, like you not like you reconstruct a plane from a crash, but they're there. It's an arms race now. Right. And so that little voiceover showing last week's scenes kind of gives you the, the the tip of the hand of what Craig is really up to. But if she's doing some double dealing on his double dealing, <laughs> oh, now I'm getting like really excited. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole we go. Or it could be something <laughs> as simple as she's fooling around on him behind his back, one or the other. Yeah, that's true. You never know. She was upset. There's no doubt about that. Oh, uh, yeah. I love how she says not everything is a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a conspiracy. conspiracy right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. Bring it back now. Out of the tinfoil hat dome. And we're back on site. And there's a man who says his family's in there. And I love Fanola's like, how did he get past all the barriers? Yeah. Well, hey, if he is familiar with the area, he's going to find a way in. But he's taken into custody and they question him. And I'm thinking, hmm, are you really part of this? Are you a reporter? Where are you? See, seriously, I, I didn't get too far away from the tinfoil dome, obviously. But I think you've got that nailed to your head. <laughs> that you never crossed this my mind. This show is totally going to do it for me. I have to upgrade <laughs> my hat. I'll get a, like my fedora out. What would you see? Well, now we're going blacklist. Very nice. Uh, I like that. Or fringe. They have like their fedoras. But anyway, fedora oh, yeah, is sure. messing with the plant. That we've seen, the really weird, kind of pretty plant, and finding out information that it does not engage in photosynthesis, but rather produces fluorine and almost no oxygen, yeah. which is really weird. Whoa. What? So 5% atmosphere chlorine. Oof. So the debris must be terraforming and changing the people, right? So no. what's the happen to the people once the debris is removed? And then we find out really bad news that the storm is starting to grow. We may have to evacuate the whole county. Oh, so damn. I'm sitting there like, okay. So she sees the plant. You see it start to wither right away when she removes it from that container. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about terraforming. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, and here's my question to you, gents. Was the piece what created the atmosphere within the ship, or was it supposed to be brought to terraform whatever planet they either took over or just ended up on? What the hell did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the piece is probably their in part of their internal breathing system. That would make sense. And okay. Yes, these aliens don't breathe oxygen, they breathe chlorine. 
Well, if you remember on Fringe that when they had the the one episode in the fourth season and the whole fifth season where the observers had really made major changes to the atmosphere. Right. And people could still breathe. And I think the observers could still breathe oxygen, but not the exact same mixture as what the human humans were used to enough that we could still survive and move around and all. So, yeah, I think an internal environmental thing inside the ship, yeah. Could it be used, like, maybe more to what Sean's thinking about, to use for terraforming? Mm, Could be. Yep, that's also a very strong possibility. I got a bad feeling about this. Wasn't the ship... More questions. Wasn't the ship, if I'm remembering correctly, the ship that we see in the opening credits, didn't somebody say it in some episode that the ship was abandoned in space? It broke up. Right. Oh, I got hit. Oh, yeah. I was actually wondering that myself, Terry. Like, because we haven't heard anything about the aliens themselves. I thought somebody had said it was a one line in one episode. I might be wrong about it was an abandoned spaceship. And if that's the case, then, yeah, it could be that or it could have been that they planned to change the atmosphere of Earth. Maybe their home planet got destroyed. Kind of a deal. Who knows? Which Earthlings would see that as a weapon, obviously. So uh, we get a interesting conversation <laughs> between between Finola and the guy, and we find out that his brother had died, and he was married to the woman with Arturo and her daughter, mm-hmm. and he's basically feeling like God is punishing him because he was always picking on his brother for not staying single longer. <laughs> By having a family at an early age. But then he turns it around and he says, either instead he really reveals, or in addition, he said because he wished that burden wasn't his anymore. Right. And so it could be both, or he could have finally decided I'm going to spill all the beans or something. And I'm thinking to myself, if that's the case, I'm screwed, because I <laughs> I take care of my mom. Uh, so it's not a brother, but <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. And again, the debris wasn't feeding off of his guilt. No, unless unless you want to make that connection, but I don't, I don't see it. But yeah, he. But I mean, anybody who's a caregiver, I know from my own life right now. Right, that's a lot of work. Yes, it is, and it just depends on degree of the work, depending on how much the person needs. But it's a lot of work. I was sitting there going, I can totally identify with that. And we go back into the field where Brian gives Arturo his Elvis glasses. Best scene of the night. Yes. You are the king who rules this farm. I thought that was so cute. It reminded me of like Happy Gilmore. Yeah. (laughs) Or not Happy Gilmore. I'm sorry. What was the one? The lawyer one. Um, Big Daddy. Yeah. When he gives the kid the glasses so he can feel safe. Yep. So I thought that was kind of sweet. I love to, Fanola just kind of gave this big smile watching him do that. Right. It's like, I'm thinking, yeah, the glasses don't seem so stupid now, do they? <laughs> <laughs> no, they still seem dumb. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> then we get to meet another jerk person that Brian refers to as the B team as Beck from Emergency Containment arrives. I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? <laughs> and he and Finola do not hit it off. Of course mm-hmm. not, because he's ready to shut things down and move on to the next piece, regardless mm-hmm. of whether it kills people or not. And we get a 
conversation between him and Brian that gives us a little bit more backstory into Brian's past and what he's having to deal with. Because apparently his former partner, Julian, was very much like Fanola, wanting to do what was right, but Mm -hmm. putting emotions first instead of brains, shall we say. I'm glad they said Julian before Jules, because if they had said Jules first, I might have thought that might have been the woman in the picture he took off of his clone. Right. That's who I thought it was at first, and then it took a minute for it to all kind of fall into place for me. Because he said he died the way he wanted to. I was like, okay. Yeah. And Beck warns Brian not to let Fanola take him down. I was like, right there, I don't like this guy. No, (laughs) not at all. Here's another by-the-book guy, like, can't see beyond what's right in front of him, and making me think, maybe he's working with Craig. Oh, easily. uh, (laughs) The the word that he got to shut it down came from Craig, I would bet. Yep. So, Brian suggests to Fanola that this may be one case where they can't save the victims. That's Mm -hmm. the line I was talking about earlier. Right. Mm. We can't save everyone. Yeah. Yeah. What what did he say? Something like, I have to make the hard decisions or make decisions you're not going to like or something right. like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, OK, so this isn't going to be and necessarily so can- happy endings all the time. Yeah, and we can't win everyone. Yep. And yeah, he said he it res- just made me think like this season might totally change the way I thought it was going to go. Right. No. Yes. <laughs> I know. And so, of course, Fanola's not liking that comment at all so she Mm -hmm. goes and pays the lab tech a visit and discusses any and every possibility of saving the people that are still alive underneath the storm and is informed that the reversal of them becoming chlorine breathers may be years or decades away i could see finola's face just fall oh absolutely she is her heart just sunk Yeah, Yeah, really had me like, oh, man, what's going to happen? I don't know. She just doesn't seem like, I don't want to say cold hearted, but like one of the people who would be able to live with that with that happening without her doing absolutely everything she could possibly think of. Yeah, I think I agree with that. The lab tech was definitely not 100 percent. We got to try everything possible type of person like Fanola is. But yeah, but she the lab tech didn't seem to dismiss everything. No. Like, so she at least is trying because I feel like she's more along Panola's wavelength. True. Yeah. She's a, a medical professional. So, yeah, it's, she's coming from that point. Yeah. Yeah. That you always try to save everybody. Sure. So, this is the first time where we see that both Brian and Fanola are on the opposite side of the fence on what's going to have to happen yeah he said something like you have a certain way of looking at things and i admire that or i respect it he said but then there are things that yeah like you said decisions i have to make that you couldn't understand right and it's very simple i mean you have this group of 10 or 15 people inside this storm and it's getting bigger and even brian says are you willing to risk the entire county the entire state, just for a few people, and we get, you know, the good of the many or the good of the one type of situation yeah. here. A little Star Trek in there, yeah. Yeah. 
So in the course of this conversation, all of a sudden, Fanola gets the idea, just kind of hits her like out of left field, tells the lab tech about debris piece 489. And apparently this is a piece that uh, they've discovered puts organisms in suspended animation. I'm thinking if that was on the ship, that was like they did that for long trips. That would make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that might be helpful. And the lab tech who's been trying to go along again from the medical perspective says she thinks she's reaching. This is this is a bit much. And Fanola is kind of like talking is like half explaining it, half talking it out in her own mind as she's you know laying this all out to the uh, to the lab tech. So then later she tells Brian about it and he's kind of disbelieving the whole thing. Well, we don't really have the time and, you know, how are you going to do this and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you'd never get approval. And Fanola's kind of one-upped him because she's already gotten approval from Craig. Yeah. Which I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah. I was shocked by that. Yeah. Yeah. Craig's letting this just kind of play out. And Ryan, and here's another line that I'm like, how is this going to come back on us? When he says we're supposed to be blips in these people's lives, not memories. I was like, oh, okay, so there's not, from what I'm gathering, they're not sharing a whole lot of information with the general public, even though this has been happening for six months at this point. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. They're coming up with fake stories to explain what's going on in these out-of-the-way places, because, yeah, this is happening in a cornfield in Nebraska, so that type of thing probably won't hit the national news anyway. <laughs> Exactly. So what are they going to do when something hits like L.A. and Portland, like major areas? Yeah, and that's what that guy Beck said during the when he first meets up with everybody. And Fanola takes after he walks away, she's taking huge, huge exception with it. He said, good thing it didn't hit a whole city. Right. And she's taking as though he meant, well, these people are expendable, whatever, because it's a small number. But like you said, it's not hitting anything big. And what's going to happen when we get an episode, at least the first one, of where it does hit somewhere big. Right. And then what does that piece of debris do? That's the thing. Right. Because the the pilot was in a a large town, but it was just a little piece. And Mm -hmm. that was what it was brought into that large town by a black market seller. So exactly. Not every piece is going to fall, you know, where it's not that populated. Right. It's going to have to hit somewhere heavily populated. So, but yeah, Craig giving the, the okay for this and, and Fanola is the one who asked for it, not Brian. And Brian didn't even know about it. That kind of floored me. Right. Whoa, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. There's another. You know, Maddox had to be the one that ordered the a or guy B2. out there, the, <laughs> Back. the emergency containment guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but apparently, Fanola's argument to come up. Well, with I think anything, it was probably two prong anyway. Right. Anything to give these people even a possibility of living, which is why I'm surprised Craig would have okayed it. Yeah. Well, they wanted to do human experimentation, which is why I'm saying it was probably two prong. Like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and appease her while we're still hiding major information from her, that and we get yeah. to do the experimentation that we wanted because. Mm-hmm. If these people die, they were going to die anyway. Right. Which that sounds horrible coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but like now that I voice that, that's horrible. And now I'm thinking like, Craig, oh, my gosh, I need to go wash my brain now. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> A big pizza soap. 
Then all of a sudden we see Peace 489 arriving, big dramatic music in the background, appropriate. So they're kind of unloading it and uh, unhooking the lids and all this stuff. And in the meantime, Finola gets a call from her boss, Priya. And um, we have another little uh, flip of the switch, uh, switch here to where now MI6, tell, she says MI6 knows that her father is or may be still alive. And Finola is like, what are you talking about? What's up with that? I and, was getting teary eyed as this yeah. conversation went on. Oh, especially when the Prius the bomb drop the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing how they zoomed in from that wide shot of traffic into him sitting in that car. I was like, wow. Yet, you know, footage from a bank robbery is grainy as all get out. And it's just right? a lobby. You know, it's just a lobby. You know, come on. So uh, then in the course of this, where she even says, I know how emotional this is for you or how hard it's hit you or whatever. Then two other bombs drop. Not only does MI6 know about this, which they already knew, now she's just telling her. Uh, so they're obviously not, you know, even MI6 is not telling their own agent in the field uh, stuff right away. The CIA also knows. And she said, we also got, and she, and this was, I thought, interesting. We also got uh, information or communication or yeah, something communication. or other. Specifically, she says that, that shows that Brian knows too. She made a point. She Instead of just leaving it at the CIA, right. which you could suspect, not guarantee, but you could suspect, well, then maybe Brian knows too. She specifically says CIA. And by the way, we happen to know that Brian knows this too. Right. I thought that was because she somehow knew from reports like Fanola was becoming comfortable with Brian. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Let's fix this. Yeah. <laughs> kind of an yeah. evil stepmother move right now. Oh, you're happy? Let's make that change. So that tells me that they they have phones tapped because Craig told Brian that over the phone and said, uh, MI6 stays out of this. Right. So somehow they've got the phone communications probably by satellite, I'm assuming, tapped into. Yep. Or that so plane. Or like the plane. Comes in through plane that is plane. bugged. Yep. So clearly there's a lot of, well, they're not saying whose plane that is, F CIAs or FBI or um, MI6s. I'm assuming being it's in the States, it's the CIAs. But yeah, somehow MI6 has got taps into things. So the there, there's another layer of how much distrust there is right now. But they, she drops these three bombs. You know, we happen to know that your dad's alive. By the way, the CIA knows and your partner out there knows, too. Whereas earlier when he told her, you know, there are decisions I'm going to have to make. You're just going to have to trust me. It was like, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> to come back and bite you in the ass. Crunch. So with this information, Finola makes a decision. You could see where it came from. She goes to the detained husband who's uh, handcuffed to a table. That's nice. And she just tells him everything. She says, you're not going to believe it, but it's all true. Fills him in on everything. He asks her why. She says, I think you should make your own decisions on your own and lets him go. And you can see him running through the field and he's running through the rain. How does nobody see him, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought was odd. Because you got people walking well, all over. Again, he knows that farm better than any of the people. So he probably had a pretty good idea of which way to, to get in there without being oh, seen. Be, oh, I got you. Because yeah, he, he made detection. it to the farm mm -hmm. 
without anybody, any of the roadblocks stopping him. So, yeah, he, he that's knows true. that farm pretty well. Even though he travels a lot, he knows it well. That's true. Children of the corn much. And yeah. uh, <laughs> so when he first get, when he first gets into the rain area, he starts having trouble breathing, as you might expect. Finally, he makes it inside the building and he rejoins the fam- his family there. So that was nice. And even the, it was funny because the woman was saying, he said, I just want to make sure you all weren't scared. And she's like, we're not scared. And then she backs it up with, well, the government people figured out a way. Right. You know, but the, the way she first says that, we're not scared. Like, slow down there, Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. <laughs> we're here. I got control as much as I can have control of the situation. It's okay. So uh, then all of a sudden, all the things are in place, and Peace 489 is activated. With that bright light, I thought it was like a nuclear blast. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm waiting for like the day after part two. You know, this is. <laughs> and, and the people are indeed put in suspended animation. Neat effect, too. I like that effect. Yeah. And Brian's like, are they, did it work? And the guy who's checking them all out, he's saying they're all alive. All their vitals show they're alive. I was like, damn. And then we see the guy with Arturo and they're all together, you know, so that was kind of, but Brian is kind of, the way he walked in and out and around all the people, I think part was he really didn't believe Peace 489 was a good choice when Finola first tells him, but he's kind of like, well, this is really happening. Holy moly. Right. So, Until uh, he gets back to the, the family. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then all of a sudden the rain stops which I thought this was interesting. Wouldn't as soon as you shut it off and they're in a suspended animation, wouldn't the thing continue? Because the other pe- they didn't show the other piece of debris being removed. So we don't know if it's been removed from the area. I'm assuming it's still in the area. Right. They power. They shut it down. Like, I thought that was to activate 489. No. Not to shut down the uh, active piece. Yeah, that was to shut down uh, yeah. the active piece. Okay. And I was sitting there going. Uh, the sky, so the skies are clearing up and the rain stops. I'm like, well, I thought they were just activating 489, but apparently not. Well, I was trying to figure out how they're going to move these people too, because they got to keep 489 active then, or is it like they have to turn it on? Well, that's what like, I thought. Now that that's they're suspended, it it's for. okay. That's what I thought it was for, you know. And then when you shut it off, does the suspended animation effect stop? And, well, you know, yeah, I was a little confused with that. Now, yeah. I, I understand when they were like, okay, shut it off. They were talking about the rain one. Right. But, yeah. like, how are they moving it? Or is it only when, like, that bright flash happens for 489? See, see, if 49 didn't need to be turned on and all they needed to do was shut off the active piece of debris, uh, well, when they took it from the truck, wouldn't the, the people you know, handling it, wouldn't they be put in suspended animation at that point before they even got it into the building? You know, if it's 40... I think we're reading a lot. I think we're all reading too much into it. Probably so, yeah. (laughs) So anyway, the rain stops, the skies clear up, Brian is kind of glad, and you can see his facial expression, ooh, the sun's here, this is nice. And so he gets back to the the base camp, and he asks Finola why she let the husband go. He said he just wants to understand, and so Finola, you know that on the look of her face, she's like, yeah, you're a jerk. You know, she's like (laughs) wanting it so bad to say it, but she says he'll never understand that. And she's just going to go off now to start working on her report. Yeah, this is what I was saying in the beginning, how her attitude, like they were so warm and this, she is like ice cold. Yeah. Now, do you think he's figured something out or do you think it's like he's just thinking, well, because I had that conversation with her about not 
being a big part of the guy's life or what exactly is it that you, you think is going through Brian's head at that moment? You mean figured out? You mean he's figured out that she knows about her father or something else? Yeah. Or that he knows that, that he's keeping he... something from her like big. I, uh, well, he might think, well, see, he might think that on the very broad sense, but I think it's still his guilt of having to keep this. Does he know at this point, based on how she kind of not stormed off, but kind of, you know, gave him the cold shoulder when she left, that she knows about her father? I don't think he knows that she knows specifically. Ah, yeah. yeah. I feel I think the it, same way. It, it's yeah. just that at first he kind of thought that he had explained the situation to Finola mm -hmm. well enough that she would agree to his side, but no, she goes behind his back and gets the 489 to at least temporarily save the people. Yeah. And yeah, she basically said, tells him, you need to clean up here. I'm going back to the plane and to do the report. Yeah, he might have. It might have not been where he was PO'd, but he might have kind of been half shocked, half oh, yeah. put off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like not put off to the point of like, who the hell do you think you are? But put off to the point of being shocked. Look how, you know, like she's like, I got to go clean up, you know, the mess here now. And whereas and, and maybe it could be that he's then the other pieces, he could be surprised that she's kind of passing this the cleanup part off on him, which I'm sure includes transporting the suspended animation people out of there. Or they may just have to leave him there and just block the side off and don't let anybody in it. But yeah, but he might be kind of wondering, well, she's the one that suggested this. Why is now all of a sudden all this after cleanup now on me and the other people? Right. So that might be it where he's really more surprised. Like, well, you're the one that suggested this. Right. And now you're doing the cold shoulder like you don't want to be around for the, the after part. What's up with that? So it could be that he's purely just shocked. So I don't think that he knows that she knows. Right. I, yeah, I don't think that he's there yet. Nope. But when she finally I lets him figure it out. But when she find when she finally lets him know that she knows. Yeah. <laughs> look out. There's gonna be another bright light off in the distance again. Right. <laughs> Yeah, let's hope there's not a piece of debris nearby that one of them can grab. I think Fanola might become her own piece of debris. Let's yes. Put it <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. This episode was crazy. Yeah. So you know how we feel about the episode. We want to know what you feel. So shoot us an email at contactus at fangirlzone.com because we'd love to hear from you. And while you're at it, if you can write and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because we are on so many. <laughs> because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about the show, because it is so weird. If they're a sci-fi fan, they are definitely going to like this. Oh, one. yeah. Um, and of course, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, because that's our goal. And um, I just want to throw in... If you know the answers to some of the questions that we have asked each other or have your own Please. theories, yes. we want to hear them. Yes. Because obviously you've heard my crazy tinfoil hat theories. <laughs> <laughs> There's no tinfoil hat too small for this podcast. So bring no. it on. <laughs> and Sean's can't be the only tinfoil hat around. <laughs> Come on. I know there's others out there going, you know, uh, what if? Yep. But anyway, for this episode of Falling Pieces, I'm Sean Fangirless. And I'm Terry, and I'm only happy when it rains. And I'm Steve. <laughs>